Good morning, Shalom Aleichem, everyone. Welcome to our series as we continue the life and terror of our leaders. This year should be her Shalema for my mother, Hinda Bas Rachel Miriam, who needs Rachel Meshamayim. I'd like to welcome our Torah anytime viewers and listeners who are participating in this year as well. And of course, we are live as we are every Tuesday at 11.30, Bez Hashem, with First Seder Bismedrish. Today we're going to talk about the Lublina Rav, Rav Meir Shapiro, very famous personality. We're moving a few hundred, a hundred or so years um, closer to our day and age than we've been for the last number of G'daylum we've spoken about. Rav Nassan Adler and the Baal Shem from Michelstad and the Chassam Seifer. <coughs> We're moving to the late 1800s, early 1900s, much closer to our times. Rav Yehuda Meir Shapiro, Tzachrein Levracha, whose Yartse will be Sunday, Zayin Cheshvan, um, his 87th Yartzeit. Who was Rav Meir Shapiro? Rav Meir Shapiro is an inspiring yet tragic uh, story, personality, as we'll see. And uh, there's a lot to say, and we will try to give as best a picture as we can in the allotted time. His father was someone named Rabbi Yaakov Shimon, and one second, make sure I got his father's name right. Rabbi Yaakov Shimshain, that's what I thought. Rabbi Yaakov Shimshain was his father. He was a Talmud Chacham, he was a Baki Bishas. The name um, Shapiro comes from the city Shbayer, or Spire in Ashkenaz. is one of the three famous cities, Shum, Shbayer, Varmaiza, Magentia, Spire, um, Mains, uh, Worms, and Mains, those three famous cities in the Rhineland. And they come from that city. That city is well known in the... Uh, in the in Tatnu, in the year Tatnu, in the times of the Crusades, they were Makadashem Shamayim. We talk about it in the Kina on Tishabov that we say, or a few Kinas that are said for those cities. So that's where the name Shapiro comes from. They come from that city, um, Spire. He was the sixth generation to the author of the Tvu Ashar, who was himself a descendant of Rabbeinu Yosef Bechar Shar which is brought down in the Balei Atoisis. He's one of the Balei Atoisis. Sometimes he's called Rabbeinu Bechar Shar Miorlins. Rabbeinu Bechar Shar, you find him in Taisvis. He was born in the city of... Um, his, his wife, I'm sorry, his wife was named Margala, and she was the daughter of the Mincha Shai. I'm sorry, they were the ones who were the descendants of the Tvua Shar and Rabbeinu Yosef Bechar Shar. Um, his father was an anical of Rapinchas Mikaritz. Pinchas Karitzer, one of the famed Talmidim of the Baal Shem Tov. So his father was Rabbi Yaakov Shimshin, his, wife, his mother was Margala. She was a daughter, like I said, of the Mincha Shai, the famous one of the Gedali Hadar, and one of the famous Bali Hadiktuk, anyone who was a Balkaire. Um, 
will know that a lot of the different trap or different nikud in the Torah, whether sometimes uh, it's a, a tzere or a segel, you find different places, a chat of patach or a shva, it depends a lot. The Minchashai is a big player in those discussions. He was born in the city of Schatz, which is, that time was Austria-Hungary, now it would be northeast Romania. And Romeo Shapiro was born on Zion Adar Tafresh Mem Zion in 1887. He was a very, very big Balkishran. He had a lot of potential. He was a smart child. Later on, when he became Rav in Petrikov, famous uh, big city, as we'll talk about later, he said, you're taking a Rav who never learned Aleph base. Because it seems he had some type of Kriya problem, a reading problem, some type of dyslexia. And when he was being taught the Aleph base, he couldn't really figure things out. So his father told the Rebbe, skip the Aleph base, just teach him words. And he taught him words, and that's how eventually he learned how to read. So he told them that you took a, a Rav who never really learned Aleph base. Um, his mother hired a, a, uh, a Malamed, a Rebbe, to come teach him. And she hired him, she paid a lot of money for it. And she would say, it's a small carbon, a small little payment <coughs> for the big Tyra, the great Tyra. It's worth every penny. And the Malamid was supposed to show up in the city on Isru Chag of Pesach. Rameer Shapiro was seven years old at the time, and his mother kept on looking out the window, and she was crying, and she was mumbling to herself, and she said, where's the Rebbe? Maybe we didn't pay him enough. And Rameer Shapiro told his mother, says, it's Isru Chag. Um... And, uh, or it's the day after Isru Chag, and uh, what are you crying about? If he doesn't come today, he'll come tomorrow. And she says, no, I hired him today. And she told him something that became a f- refrain in his mind and what he told his Talmidim. And in fact, the entire concept of Dafayoimi is built on this. And she told him every day that you lose, that you miss, that passes by without learning Torah is an Aveda Shene Chazeris. It is a something lost that you can never get back. Any day that passes by without learning, you can't get it back. So don't tell me the Malamid's going to come tomorrow, the Rebbe's going to come tomorrow, but what's going to be with today's Limit Atayra? And that stuck with him. And that really, she got that, that line from her father, the Mincha Shah used to say that as well. And, um, and uh, eventually the Malamid actually did show up on that day, came a little later, I guess, than expected, and was able to teach him, and the Taka didn't miss that day of learning. But it always stuck, stuck with him what his mother told him that, and was crying over, that never miss a day of learning. When he was 13 years old, he went to his grandfather, the Minchashai, to learn with him. And not only did he learn with him um, Gemara, but he also learned with him, he was a big Paisik, he learned with him Dalit Chalke Shulchan Aruch, and he learned with him Hayra. Um, in the year 1903, in Tafresh Samach Gimel, so he was 16 years old at the time. His grandfather, the Minchashai, became sick. And then he sent him back home to Schatz to learn there at home. Um, at this point, his name already was spreading throughout Europe that there is this Eloy in, uh, in Schatz and it reached to the city of Tarnopol, which is in Galicia. Galicia, which um, is like in those days was like southern Poland and what's now also like Ukraine as you go east, take south Poland and make a line straight across and you'll go into the Ukraine as well and um, Tarnopol was in what's now the Ukraine but it was called Galicia and it reached there and in 1906 in Tafresh Samach so he was all of 19 years old he married his wife Malka Toba who was a daughter of a very very wealthy fellow Rabbi Yaakov David Britman 
who promised to support him. He was the one who was Zaycha to this son-in-law, the Reb Meir Shapiro, who was the Ilui that was going around. At that time, he stayed there. He learned in uh, his, his father-in-law supported him, and he he um, printed his first sefer, Imre Das. Imre is the same letters as Meir after his name. Imre Das Al Hatayra. He felt he wanted to be a rov. He felt that it wasn't only about learning; it was about teaching. He also felt that that would be a very a strong way of staying on the right derech, so to speak, the derech of Taira. But his father-in-law was very against it. He says, I could support you. You just learn Taira. Learn Taira. So they came to a deal. And the deal they came to was that Amir Shabir is not going to look for a Rabbanus. But if someone, a Rabbanus comes his way and he wants to accept it, his father-in-law will not oppose it. To, his father-in-law will not pr- prevent it. Now his father-in-law had a trick up his sleeve. And that is in those days in Galicia, you didn't just become Rav. If you wanted to become Rav, you actually had to pay the city to let you become Rav. So his father-in-law figured that if he ever wants to become Rav somewhere, his father-in-law just won't pay the money. And therefore, he'll never become Rav anyways. That was the trick that he had up his sleeve. The problem was, there was one city in Galicia, um, which was called Galina. (coughs) Galina is what would be today near the border of the Ukraine and Poland in the Lemberg area, um, Lvov, Lemberg, and um, they decided that they are going to try to break this trend. It's a craziness. Take a Rav. What do you mean? The Rav has to pay for it? Rabbanim should be paid to become Rabbanim, not have to pay to become Rabbanim. So therefore, they actually said any Rav who tries to offer money to become the Rav is going to be immediately disqualified. The exact opposite of every other place where it went to the highest bidder. So they came and they offered Rameir Shapir the Rabbanis. Now, once they offered it to him, so his father-in-law wasn't able to oppose it. And since there was no money involved, his father-in-law Mamish had no way to oppose it. So on Ches Iyar Tofresh Ayin Aleph, 1911, he became the Rov of Galina. Now the problem was like this, so his father-in-law was out, out of the picture here because he couldn't oppose it. But his mother-in-law was very unhappy and she took out 20,000 gold crowns, um, enormous amount of money. And she put it on the table and she said, take this in order that you should just stay, not take the Rabbanus, and just sit here and learn Torah B'Shalva, learn Torah B'Menuchas HaNefesh. But Rameir Shapiro said no, but he wasn't sure. He went to his Rebbe, the Charkovah, Zechariah Nelavracha, and the Charkovah Rebbe told him, yes, he should take the Rabbonus. So, in the summer of Tafrei Shayin Aleph of 1911, he was all 24 years old, he became the Rav of Galina. <coughs> what he did in all the cities that he went was he was very worried about the Chinuch of children. The Chinuch of the children. And in those days, it's, it was, it was, it was, uh, Chinuch in Galicia was not uh, something that was very promoted. Um, rich children hired Malamdim to teach them. Poor children didn't have anyone to pay for them, so they were out on the streets. Um, Bacharim at that time didn't have places um, to, uh, to, 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 to uh, eat, to eat by people's houses. It wasn't a very good situation. So when it came to the children, he was Mechadish and Galina, the concept that the Rabbeim are not paid for by the parents directly. They're paid for from a kupa, from a, uh, from a fund. Meaning the parents paid tuition to a central body, and the central body paid the Rabbeim. And this way they could offer scholarships to the Aniyim, to the poor children. And therefore everyone could get a 
Taira Dika Chinuch. Hizaru Mibnei Haniyim Shemehem Yetzi Taira. Chazal tell us, be careful from the poor children. That's where Taira comes from. So Amir Shabira wanted everybody to have an equal chance. So he was Mechadish, this idea of paying tuition to a Kupa. And in this way, even poor children would be able to be part of the class. Now, why was it so important? He felt it was so important that the children should have a good education. So he said, Avart, the Gemara Ksubis tells us that Shimim and Shetach, Shimim Shetach made a takana, he enacted, number one, but they say for Latinaikas, that there be schools for children, and Tumu Yishana Lekli Matris, the concept that when you have a metal keli that becomes tame, and then it breaks, so if it's no longer usable, the Tuma flies away, goes off. But the Rabbanon made a gezeira that if you make the metal keli usable again, the old Tuma returns. Gezeira the Rabbanon. So said Rameir Shapiro, what do these two takanas have to do with each other? Tuma Yashana coming back to a metal keli and making Bate Sefer schools for children? Says the Territ says, both of them have the same theme. And that is that the original matzav, the original situation, is what stays with the thing. Just like when it came to Tuma. The original Tumah, even though it went away, it flew away, because the keli got broken. But when you put it back together, the original situation comes back. The same thing is with children. If you give them a strong chinuch when they're young, even if chas v'shalom, things happen during their, during their life, and things get broken, but it's possible they'll always come back to their original situation of that chinuch tar. And that's why he wanted to make sure that the foundation of chinuch was solid for everyone. In Tafresh Ayin Beis, he had to go to Frankfurt, to Germany, for, um, for health reasons. And um, over there, the, he met Rav Breuer. Rav Breuer um, was married him very much. He, 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 he held of him very much. And uh, one time, he asked him afterwards, he asked uh, Rav Breuer, asked Mayor Shapiro, so how did you like the davening? How do you like the davening? So you think about it. There's this Hasidish Galiziana Yid, um, Rameir Shapiro, Charkover Chassid, who ends up here in a, who ends up here in a Yakish Shul. Can you imagine the difference in the davening between his shtibel and the shul? So he had seen outside a sign outside of a store that said, um, it said in, I don't know if it said it in Hebrew, in German, what it said, but basically it said, cold ice cream under the hashgacha of the Rav. So it was, they were selling kosher ice cream. So that's what he said to Rav Royer. He said, the davening was nice, but it was like cold ice cream, under the Rav's hashkocha. In other words, he felt for his varma chasidish and neshama, it was a little too cold for him. Um, we'll see how that happens later, the next time, years later, when he meets Rav Royer again. Um, during the First World War in Tafresh Ayin Dalid, he happened to be on a summer vacation in his father-in-law's uh, place that he had somewhere, and he wasn't able to go back to Galina because of the war. He ended up going back to Ternopil, to his father-in-law's city. Um, in 1917, he was in Ternopil, and he got very sick, deathly ill. And um, in those days, people around, uh, when someone got deathly ill, a Rav, they, people would, would donate years of their life to the Rav. So they donated to him um, 16 years to his life. And interestingly enough, he recovered on Zion Cheshvan. Zion Cheshvan. And exactly 16 years later, on Zion Cheshvan is when he was Nifter, when those 16 years were up. Very, they, they gave him those 16 years. At that time, he was offered, he was such a personality, he was offered the Rabbonus in Krakow. Big Rabbonus. 
But he didn't take it. He didn't take it. The Chark of a Rebbe used to say that he had all the Milas, but he had one Chisaron that outweighed everything, and that's why he wasn't able to become the Rav of Krakow. And what was that Chisaron? What was that deficiency? That he was a Chassid of the Chark of a Rebbe. That was the Anivus of the Chark of a Rebbe. So that's why, because of me, he didn't become the Rav of Krakow. He also was offered the Rabbanus in Warsaw, and we'll see about that in a little bit. He also was not able to accept that Rabbanus, which was also a major Rabbanus. In 1920, he became the Rav of Sonic. Sonic is a city in southeastern Poland, um, and he became the Rav there. And when he, um, when he came to them, he said, I'm not going to leave you ad yavor za'am, until the za'am passes. Za'am is a lotion of anger. It's a way of saying until the trouble passes. But what he meant to say was that a Rav has three, three uh, things uh, that he has to take care of in his city. Zion stands for Zvachim, that's the Shechita, the Kashras. Ayin is Erevin, and Mem is Mikvois. Those are the three uh, jabs of a rub. So he said, until I jab or zam, until I take care of fixing all these three things, you don't have to worry, I'm your rub until then. Now, he was an Agudist. Agudist Yisrael was part of him. And just to go back in, in time a little bit, in 1912, in Katowice, when Agudist Yisrael was established, he was 25 years old, and he was invited to be there, which was a Chiddush, and he was invited to be there. In 1914, in Lvov, Aguda established their branch of Eastern Galicia, and uh, he was there as well. And what happened was, this is when he was offered the Rabbonus in, in Warsaw. Warsaw didn't have a Rav for 40 years. Because in Warsaw there were many, many different factions between Mizrahi and, 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 and Chassidish and not Chassidish, all different factions, um, and they couldn't agree on a Rav. So, but when they, when, when, uh, when they heard about Rav Meir Shapiro, they offered him the Rabbanus, they all agreed to it. However, they had one condition, and that is, he has to back out of Agudis Yisrael. They said a Rav has to belong to all of Kla Yisrael, not to one faction of Kla Yisrael, to one group. So he has to back out of Agudis Yisrael. And that's when he coined the very famous thing that he said. He said, I'm not part of Agudis Yisrael. Agudis Yisrael is part of me, and therefore it's inseparable. I'm not besoich, I'm not in the midst of Agudis Yisrael. Agudis Yisrael is inside of me. I can't separate from it. And because of that, he didn't take the Rabbonus in Warsaw. In 1918, he was appointed to be part of the Mayatzis Gedoli Atayri. He was only 31 years old. You're talking about the Chavetz Chaim, the Rav Chaim Oizer. We're talking about real big Gedoli Oilam, the Imran, the Gerebbe. Um, and he was, he was uh, appointed to be on the Mayatzis Gedoli Atayra. In 1922, he became the Reish Agudis Yisrael of all of Poland. And in fact, in 1923, he actually represented Agudis Yisrael in the Polish parliament. It was called the SEM, S-E-J-M. J is uh, in Polish. There's a lot of J's, in, in po- silent J's in Polish words. And, um, and there he used his oratory skills to fight against anti-Semitism and different things like that. He was involved very famously. It was early before the Bayless affair in 1912. is a famous verse from Mary Shapiro. And even though he was saying here is a Psagada Adar, he's in the Polish parliament, he said, the Chazal tell us, Bishat Sakana, at a time of danger, you bring out the Sefer Torah into the town square, you do things that are abnormal in a time of uh, danger. And the anti-Semitism at that time was so great, especially in Poland, so he felt that it was necessary for him to be in the Polish parliament, even though here's a Sefer Torah going out into this Rechayva Shalir. Um, 
At the Knesia Gedaila, Gimel Elul, Tuf Reish Pei Gimel of 1923 in Vienna, as well known, he was appointed to be the microphone. What was the microphone? That means to say the Gedailim would speak and someone else would um, repeat their words out loud so people could hear. You know, it's like the Meturgaman you have in the Gemara, the Meturgaman of the Amirayim. So he was appointed to be the Chayzer, the one who said it over. He did it for the Chavetz Chaim, he did it for Reb Chaim Oizer. Reb Chaim Oizer commented afterwards, he says, I didn't know I'd speak so well after he heard Reb Meir Shapiro um, repeat his words. Now he was appointed to a special um, committee called the Vad Inyani Chinuch Chinuch Vechizuk Hadas. The Vad, the committee that takes care of things of education and Chizuk Hadas, strengthening the religion. And um, they had a meeting, and they were going to propose to the entire the entire Knesia Gedolah to the entire convention many different ideas that they felt should be implemented. Now he had this idea called Daf Yaimi. The Daf Yaimi. That we should learn a daf a day, and he felt it should be an aguda thing. So he said at this meeting of the committee that he wants to propose this idea. They shot him down. They told him, no, we don't believe in it. Some were against why only one blot a day. You have to learn more than one blot a day. Others say, how could you force someone to learn a specific Gemara? person has to learn mashali by chafetz. So they said, we don't want it. So he asked, okay, if I can't propose it in the name of the entire committee, could I propose it in my own personal name, not a committee thing? So they said, that you could do. So he got up to speak, and he said over 28 different proposals in the Nyanim of Chinuch and Chizuk Adas. And afterwards, he asked permission, he wants to say the idea of Dafa Yaimi, and he felt that this is going to be Ma'achir Kla Yisrael. He said, how do you, Agudis Yisrael is about uniting Kla Yisrael. How do you have a Rav from Frankfurt? How do you have Reb Chaim Brisker? How do you have Americans? How do you have people from Eretz Yisrael? How do they all get together and unite? So he said a famous vart that he opened up the Gemara Brachas. The Gemara starts off, Tano Kai. The Mishnah says, Meimasai Karin Shema. When do you read Kriyashma? So the Gemara says, Tana, the Tana Hechakai, where is he going? We don't know anything about Kriyashma yet. What do you mean when you read it? Who's talking about Kriyashma? So he says he opened up the Gemara and he realized that he didn't understand Pshat. So then he looked in Rashi and then he looked in Taisvis. And then he realized that's what Taira is. The Mishnayas were written in Eretz Yisrael. The Gemara was written in Bavel. Rashi wrote his Pirish in Germany, Taisvis in France. The Marshal was in Lithuania, the Maram was in Poland. And all of them come together on the words, Tana Hei All of them come together. He says, that's what Agudis Yisrael represents, and that's why Torah, Dafayoimi, will unite all of Kla Yisrael together, no matter where you are, you'll always be able to talk to someone, have a shaykhist to someone, because you're all learning the same Daf. And he said, this should start Rosh Hashanah of Tafresh, Peidalid, which was a few weeks later. Um, and as is well known, that the idea took off. The idea took off, and um, the Ger Rebbe, Rosh Hashanah night, took out a, asked for Gemara Brachis, and um, tens of thousands, if not more, of people in, in Poland actually signed up for it, um, for, for the Daf Hayami, and it really took off. Um, and as we see, you know, as we see the Daf Hayami is uh, today. Yutes Adar Aleph of Tuf Reish Pei Dalid, which is a little bit after the Knesia Gedaila, he became the, the Rav in the city called Petrikov, which was one of the oldest and most Choshev cities in Poland. And it was a big Chiddush that they took a Galiziana Rav. Again, we don't understand, maybe some of us do, but there was a lot of schisms between Polish Jews, Galiziana Jews, and uh, this was a Chiddush, Hungarian Jews. Each one had different ones that... Um, 
you know, was, um, was their group, so to speak. In his first drasha in Pechikov, he said, um, uh, on the Pasuk in Mishlei, in a place of Gedolim, don't stand. He says, here I'm in a place of Gedolim, Gedolim, where the Rabbanim here. So he says, you know what that means? It doesn't mean don't be there. It means you can't be a person who's stationary. You got to be going and shtagging and building. When you're in the place of people of Gedolim, you got to be moving. You got to be accomplishing and doing things. And um, he was asked famously, there's so many Choshev Rabbonim and Petrikov who were Rabbonim of years past. He says, when Tchiyas, they asked him when Tchiyas HaMesim is going to happen, who's going to be the Rav of the city? So Rameh Shapir told him that each Rav is going to be the Rav of his Kehila. Meaning when Tchiyas HaMesim happens, the Rav is going to get up and his congregation, the, his people are going to get up. So he'll be a Rav of his Kehila. So they asked him, well, what's going to be if a Rav gets up and his Kehila doesn't get up? Are you going to let him be the Rav of your Kehila? Look what, what's going to happen. So that's when he said, a Rav who doesn't have the power to awaken his Kehila, Tchiyas HaMesim, is not called a Rav. A Rav has to have that power. If a Rav wakes up by himself, Tchiyas HaMesim, and didn't bring his Kehila with him, that's not a Rav. And then he said another famous thing. And he said it always bothered him. Why is it that young Rabbanim become Rabbanim in small shtetlach, in small cities. And old Rabbanim become Rabbanim in big cities. L'chaira, big cities is a lot more work. The young Rabbanim who have the energy, they should be the Rabbanim in the big cities. And the small cities are less work. That's where you have old Rabbanim who retire. And they don't have as much to do because they don't have as much energy. So it always bothered him. So he said, must be the pshat is like this. Chazal tell us that when a person is oilulagdula, when a person goes up, gets into a position of of importance, a, a, a powerful and chash of a position. So he's atoned for all his sins. So he says, so you have the, the chayri, he says, why? Because since a person has to now take on the burden and the achrayis of this city, so HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives him a clean slate. The more the achrayis, the more mechila avoynis he get. So he says, an older Rav, he's an older person ready, so he lived much longer, has much more Averis. So he needs a bigger city for the Mechila, call Avenosov. A small Rav, a young Rav, just starting off, doesn't have so many Averis, he doesn't need such a big city. He said, it must be that here I am, a young Rav in a big city, look, I needed the big city for my Mechila, call Avenosov, even though I'm so young, I must have had a lot of Averis that I needed to become the Rav of this city. And again, he was involved very much in the chinuch of the children. And um, as we'll see, and in Tafresh Peivav, he put out the first, he put out his Chuvis Ar HaMeyer, which was uh, well, was Niskabal was, was in Klai Yisrael. A, a big portion of the Sefer deals with Kachim and Taharais. Now, now we go to his, the idea of the Yeshivas Chachmei Lublin. When he was already younger, he realized that there's a problem with the chinuch in Poland and Galicia, and that is that you know not a lot of the Bali Kishrainas, those who have the uh, potential to be Gedolim, end up to be Gedolim. Because they had it very hard, like we explained, the school system wasn't great, um, they didn't have place to eat, you had to eat by people's houses, Teg it was called, eat by people's houses, sometimes they have what to eat. Bakrim didn't have a place to sleep, you know what they used to do? They used to sleep in stores. Store owners would lock them in the stores to sleep there, and by that way they'd be the watchmen of the stores as well. And they'd have to wait in the morning till the store owners come and unlock the door from the outside to let them out. It was very nakishmak. And Ramey Shapir said, how are these people going to become Rabbonim? Rabbonim have to be able to stand up 
to the Balabatim and tell them what to do, not subjugate themselves to the Balabatim. And if the Bachrim are, are, from a young age are taught that we're reliant on the Balabatim, we can't even get up in the morning, get out the door without the Balabatim, it's not going to really work. And, um, and, uh, and um, he was, um, so this is what, he always had this dream of making a yeshiva with a dormitory, with food. The Bachrim should have all that they need, all that they need. Now, they asked him, what do you mean? The Mishnah says, Kachi Darka Shel Taira, that you, you, you um, pass by Melech Teichal, Omayim Bamasur Tishteh, you have to suffer for Taira, or it's Tisha, and you, li, you lie on the ground, so you want to give them like a comfortable place. That's not what the Mishnah says. So he said to them, no, it's totally how you say the nigan. They say over from one of, I think the Tzamech Tzedek, someone said that the Ramah says, Pesach night, our minig is not to say halal. Ashkenazim, chesidim, apiagra, you say halal and shul. But the Ramah writes, our minig is not to. So I think the Tzamech Tzedek said, you have to read the Ramah with the right nigan. Oy nebuch, our minig is that we don't say halal. We have to like say kvetch about it. So Rabbi Shapiro said the same thing. You have to say the, you have to say the mission with the nigan. Kachi darka shel tyra nebuch is if that's the way of the derech of the tyra that the boys that the, you have to give them only bread to eat and only water and they have to sleep on the ground. That's the way it is. So they told him, I adam kiyamus ba'oyel. You have to be mamis atzmael atayra. So he says, he said, yeah, if you take away the worry of food and drink and sleeping, they'll be able to put all their kaychas and be mamis in the Torah itself. Not be worried about being mamis themselves and all their side things. So he had an answer for all of these naysayers. In Tafresh Peidalet, right after the Knesset Gedailah, he was in the city of Lublin and he met Rav Shmuel Eichenbaum, who he had met at the Knesset Gedailah, was a very rich fellow. And Rav Shmuel had a very big portion of land in Lublin that he wasn't sure what he was going to do with it. Empty piece of land. So Rameir Shabir said, I have a good business deal for you. And he told him, give me a quarter of the land and I'll build a yeshiva on it. So he, he came back to him and he said, I, I refuse the deal. I'm giving you the whole piece of land. And they signed a star, he gave over the land. Afterwards, when they signed the star in the Bezdin, his wife came and she was very upset. And she says, what kind of chutzpah? Only my husband gets to sign on the star? I also want a part of it. And she made him write a new star that she also was part of it. And she also said, I want to pay the amount for this whole proceedings here. My payment is going to be, she had a lot of cows with milk, milk for the Bachrim for however long it was to give them milk. So she also wanted, this was this couple. The Chark of a Rebbe met Rav Shmuel later and he said, Listen, Chazal tell us mitzvah gereris mitzvah. That means if you were zaycha to such a mitzvah that you were able to be the one to give the, 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 the land for yeshivas, Chachme Lublin, you must have done some very big mitzvah before this that caused this great mitzvah. The Charkva said, I'm not Mekana your mitzvah of the yeshiva of Chachme Lublin. I'm Mekana, I'm jealous of what mitzvah you did to be zaycha to the mitzvah Gereris mitzvah. That's a famous vart that the Charkva told him. So Alak Bo'imer of Tafresh Peidalid is when they had the Hanukha Seven Apina. They poured the foundation of the of the um, of Yeshivas Chachme Lublin. Rameir Shapiro again. He was he was he was Rav in Petrikov at the time. Um, uh, Yotes Adar became the Rav, but he was already building Yeshiva in Lublin. He went to the Beis Hakvaris, the old Beis Hakvaris there. I was able to be there as well, where the the Chayzer from Lublin is there, and the Marshal is there, and the Marami Lublin is there, and he invited them all to come. And um, so the Chark of a Rebbe told the Imre Emes, the Ger Rebbe, that he should be the one to put down the cornerstone. 
And he picked up the stone, he gave it to the charcover. And an interesting thing happened after that. The charcover took out two coins from his pocket, and he said to the Ger Rebbe, here, look at these coins. The, the Ger Rebbe took one glance at them, and he like waved with his hand. Then the charcover wrapped the coins and the stones and the stone together like in a kerchief, and they put it down as the cornerstone. No one knew what the pshat in this was, and they asked afterwards, Rameer Shapiro, what's pshat in the, in the coins? And years later, a few years later, they asked him this, and he says, Ad hayayim, I have no idea what that is. So, I'm just bringing up that story. That's what happened. Um, so now he needed a hein rav of money. He wanted to build six floors and 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 of a, of a building. It's a it's a massive building. I was zeichet to be there a few years ago. I was zeichet actually with the chabura that I took there. We actually made a siyum, all of us. I'm a sechta of a basra of daf yaimi in the beis magish of chachme leblin. It was a highlight of our trip. So. Um, he, he went around in Poland and there was something with the economy then in Poland and, and it dropped and, and things who, people who were rich were no longer rich anymore and he wasn't matzliach in collecting in Poland so he decided he has to go to America. And Tezai in Elul, Tafresh Pevov, 1926 he uh, came to New York and he was very not matzliach he had to hire himself out as a chazan and a beautiful voice to make some money um, he was very depressed he thought he'd be here for a short amount of time he was here for a long time one day he went out and he was called into a minion for the president of the whatever shul had yard site. They needed a minion. And he ended up davening for the Amr Rameer Shapiro. And afterwards they asked him to speak in the middle of between Mincha and Mayriv. So he learned the daf of that day, Gemar and Saita, about giving tzedakah, supporting Taira. And the president didn't understand why you're learning a Gemar and Saita in the middle of nowhere. And they explained to him, the one that was accompanying Rameer Shapiro explained to him about the daf Ayaymi. And he was so nispal, he gave him a lot of money. And from there on, he started making connections, and eventually he made a, a, a significant amount of money. He kept on traveling. Um, he was in Montreal. He was in London on his way back. Eventually he was in Berlin again. He met Rev Breuer again, and he said to Rev Breuer, at this point, both temperatures came a little closer to each other. Remember, he told Rev Breuer, it was cold ice cream, he said, the Germans got a little bit more warm, and we got a little bit colder, and Mimela, now our temperatures are a little closer to each other, as it was uh, different than it was years before. He was in Amsterdam, and finally he came back to Poland, and by the time he came back to Poland, a significant amount of the building had already been finished. And at that time, he also was mechadish, the concept of pushkas. He sent pushkas throughout Poland for Yeshiva's Chachme Leblin. At that time, there was a very, uh, there, was, um, uh, there was a problem because the big pushka at that time was Rameir Balanes. They used to send money to the Yeshiva in Yerushalayim. I remember my Zayder of Kreisworth, he said he, he visited the offices of Rameer Balanes in Yerushalayim, and they have records that go way back, over 100 years, and he was able to see his own grandparents and, and, and family members who had sent money and pushkas of Rameer Balanes. They have it written there in, the, there, there in their notebooks. So that was a major thing in Poland, uh, Rameer Balanes, and now they're having a new pushka, it's like a competition here. But the G'daylem said, there's room for everybody. Another thing that he had been mechadish earlier, I don't think it was right after the Daf Yaimi started. It might have been a few Masechtas in. And that it was a grosh for a Daf. He said that every time you learn a Daf, you should put a grosh, which is less than a cent, into the Pushka. And in that way, he was hoping the Daf Yaimi will help support Yechshivas Chach Melablin. The Imre Emes actually, after he finished the first Machzer of Daf Yaimi, 2,700 blat and change, he sent in 2,700 grushim into Yeshivas Chach Melablin. But that was another a fundraising idea that Rameir Shapiro had to tie the Daf Hayoimi together with the Yeshivas Chach Lublin.
The yeshiva had different groups to it and different levels. He named them after the different gedolim of Lublin. Reb Shalom Shachna is the, the father-in-law of the Ramah, who's buried with Rav in Lublin. So it was Reb Shalom Shachna, Marshal, Maram, Marsha. Those were the four groups. He was also mechadish, the concept of a major oitzer hasvarim, a library. Eventually, thousands and thousands of svarim, eventually by the time the, the, the uh, yeshiva was already at its height, there were over 50,000 svarim in Shiva's Chachm Lublin. Nebuch, the Nazis burnt them all. The Nazis took great glee in burning this, and they, they document this. On Tisha B'av, I, I read from one of the Nazi newspapers how happy they were. The Lublin or Yidin were sitting there crying as the Nazis went and burnt uh, most of the oitzer hasvarim. The Bechino to get into Yeshiva's Chachm Lublin, you had to know 200 Black Gemara Balpeh. 200 Black Gemara, this was like the, uh, the, uh, the elite of, of Poland. In Sivan, Chavches, Chavtes Sivan of 1930, Tafresh Sadi was the Chanukas Habayis of Yeshiva's Chachm Lublin. The famous Vart, the Charkover, told him maybe you shouldn't make such a big affair because we find the Luchas Rishainus that were done with a big, uh, with a big smash, so to speak, with a big affair, ended up broken. And the Luchas Shniyas, Chazal say, where Bitsina was quiet, so they had a kiyom. So maybe if you want to have a kiyom, you shouldn't make such a big splash. And famously, Ramir Shapiro told him that no, if you don't have it with a big splash, in meaning, if the Luchas Rishainus weren't, wouldn't have been given with the whole Maimon Arsinai, no one would be interested in the Luchas Shniyas. So even if they broke, it was Kedai to make the whole event to show Chashivas for it, so that people should want a Luchas Shniyas. He says, if I don't make a big event, the whole Chashivas of Chachmi Lublin in Poland is not going to have any Chashivas to it. We have to show the Kavad Atayra, we have to show it, and the Charkover agree with him. So in 1930, Sivan, he came to Lublin. At this time, he became the Rav of Lublin. He left Petrikov, and he became the Rav of Lublin. When they introduced him by the Chanukah Habayis, and they gave him the Ksav Harabonus, um, they gave him the Ksav Harabonus, they, um, they gave him the Ksav Harabonus, so they, they said, we're introducing the Maram Lublin Hashainis, the second Maram Lublin. There was a Maram Lublin way back, right, for the back of the Gemara, and he's also a mayor of Lublin. So he got up and he said, when Napoleon died and they, and, they, and they made his son, the new emperor, they called him Napoleon II, he said, my father has no second, maybe I'm a third. So he said the same thing. The Maram Lublin said, he says, Ramir Shapiro said, I'm not Roy to be a second Maram Lublin. There's no second to the Maram Lublin. Efsher, maybe, I be Koishi, I could be called the third Maram Lublin. Um, the next year on Tubishva, Tafresh Sadi Aleph was the first siyum of Dafayaymi throughout the world and in Poland and for sure in Lublin was a big affair. He had many, many chayvis because of this as he was trying to finish off the building. He owed a lot of people a lot of money. Eventually he took out um, uh, loans from banks, uh, mortgages, so to speak. <coughs> as we said, he was a very wealthy fellow. And... Um, he was a very wealthy fellow, and because his, uh, his father-in-law was very wealthy, and he, he sunk his whole personal fortune, his wife's personal fortune, into Yeshiva's Chachme Lublin. Um, eventually, he was born Maimon Nofesh, and he couldn't do anything anymore. And it was just the, 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 the creditors were coming, and finally, the city of Lodz, Lodz was one of the biggest cities in Poland, said to him, we have an idea. Lodz was a very wealthy city, there were a lot of factories there, textiles, and they said, if you become the Rav of Laj, we'll pay off all the debts of the yeshiva. So he decided, okay. And they said that you'll split your time between Laj and Lublin. 
We'll pay off the debts and we'll continue to support the yeshiva with a significant sum of money as well. And that was his plan. And Yoim Aleph of Parshas Lech Lecha, the day after Parshas Noyach of Tofresh Pei Dalid, 1933, the heads of the Kiel of Lodge came with the Ksav Rabbonus for him and they were going to make him the Rav. That was on Sunday. On Tuesday, he got sick and he had a throat infection and nobody was very concerned. And uh, it seems the doctors weren't concerned. On Wednesday, all of a sudden, his matzah, his situation became very serious. By Thursday night, he couldn't talk anymore. He asked to bring his bed into the main room over there in the yeshiva. And he wanted the Bokhram to drink a lechayim and to sing his negunim. And he wrote famously on a little uh, piece of paper, and there's pictures of it, Rak Besimcha. At that time, the Bachrim started to, you know, uh, donate li- years of their lives, life to him, like they did the first time around. And also, in the middle of the night, he was nifter. Thursday night, he was nifter. The Gedali Yisrael paskind that the Levaya should be pushed off till Sunday, and he was buried in Lublin. After the war in 1958, they brought him to Eretz Yisrael. His his uh, his kevras on Har Manuchas. Um, when he didn't have any children, to Mayor Shapiro, he didn't have any children. Um, and he was Nifter, he was Nifter young here, he was 46 years old when he was Nifter, in the prime of his life. He said, he said, I have two children, a son and a daughter. My son is the Dafayaymi, and my daughter is Yeshiva's Chach Milublin. Now, it's an interesting thing what happened here, and that is that six months before he was Nifter, the bank in, uh, in Lublin were very nervous about the, what he owed them. And they told him he has to buy a life insurance policy. At that time, um, life insurance had just come. A prudential life insurance, I think it was, opened an office in Lublin. And uh, he bought a policy that was uh, 200000 whatever the uh, currency was at the time, which if he translated into our money, was about $10 million policy. He was a young, healthy man. And therefore, he was able to buy this policy. And then, who was the beneficiary of the policy? His daughter, Yeshiva Schach Lublin. So when he was Nifter, all of a sudden, the Yeshiva got 200000 uh, whatever the currency was, $10 million. It paid off their chayvis, or a lot of their chayvis at least. In Poland as well, they felt very guilty about this. The Rameir Shapiro was Nifter. They felt it was too much pressure for him, and they felt that perhaps they didn't do enough for the Yeshiva. So they also took, there was a lot of donations to the Yeshiva after his, um, his Petira. So in his Petira, he basically saved the yeshiva. But this is the story, and again, there's so much more to his life. It's a fascinating, fascinating figure. What he left the world is the concept of yeshiva's Chachme Lublin, um, which now the building now belongs back to the Jewish community. And uh, you could go there, there's a Bismedjish there. They, they redid the Bismedjish the same way it was when he was uh, Rosh Hashiva there. And uh, he left us the, the Dafayaymi as well. Look what Dafayaymi has done for Klai Yisrael. But at the same time, when you think about the Gadol Yisrael that he was at such a young age, and he was Nifter at such a young age, what, you know, potentially he could have done for Klai Yisrael more. Obviously, the Rabbi Nisham felt the time was up. So he was a very, very fascinating fig- uh, figure. And, and Bez Hashem, we should talk about that uh, he should be a Melitz Yosher for Gans Klai Yisrael. This is the story of the Lublina Rav. Rabbi Yehuda Meir Shapiro, Zechrein Levracha, whose yard site will be this Sunday, Zayin Cheshvan. Zay Gesund, everyone. Kal Tov. Have a wonderful, wonderful day.